0: Hello, pickers, and welcome to another episode of the Pinkbike Podcast. I'm not entirely sure which number this is, to be honest, but here we are again. I'm Mike Levy, tech editor, video presenter, and your usual host for this thing. I'm here with my Pink bike teammate, the platform pedals to my clipless pedals, Mike Kazimer. Kaz, would you call me a good riding buddy?
1: Uh, maybe. I wouldn't want to, if we lived closer, I wouldn't ride with you every day. Okay. Short, in small doses. <laughs>
0: Oh, wow. That was kind of mean, Kaz. Uh, good thing we also have Sarah Moore and James Smirthway today, both of them. They're a hell of a lot nicer than Kazmer. And today, we're talking about what makes a good partner on the trails. But before we get to that, we got to get to the news with James. James, we've never ridden together, but would you call Would you call me a buddy? Maybe an internet buddy? Yeah, cool. Or does that make you uncomfortable?
2: I mean, we spent oh. time in Taiwan and Germany and, you know, pretty cramped accommodation. So we had to get on. Right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I feel like we've really bonded. We're internet buddies now. Maybe not riding buddies yet, but one day soon, hopefully.
2: One day. Yeah, I've only ridden with Sarah out of the three of you. But um, next time there's a works maybe.
3: That was a great ride, wasn't it, James?
2: It was for us, yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's the ride that Brian also broke his (laughs) arm on.
0: (laughs) And joining us for the discussion, we're also going to have Dan Sapp. But before that, James... How about you tell us about the news?
2: First up is the Nukeproof Giga. The first images of this leaked month ago, but after a lot of anticipation, we finally have all the details. Um, The name suggests it's just a bigger mega, but actually it's more like a smaller descent. The project started during the development of that downhill bike, and this was designed to kind of capture those characteristics, but in a shorter travel, more pedalable option. So getting into the brass tacks, um, it's all carbon except for an aluminium linkage. 170 or 180 millimeter travel depending on wheel size. The geometry is fixed, but the leverage ratio can be changed. You can either have 25.5% or 29%. That 29% one is a bit more supple off the top uh, and it ramps up a lot more. That's said to suit a coil shock or the wetter conditions a bit better. Kaz, um, when you wrote your first look, you said you'd only had one or two rides on the bike. Um, Do you have some more impressions now? Uh, not
1: a ton. I've got a couple more rides, but I still haven't really fully dove into this one because I had some other bikes I've needed to test. So it's it's in the queue still. Um, I'm still enjoying it. Yeah, like the other... So now I'm probably up to four or five rides, but still enjoying it, still getting used to it, still playing with the shock and kind of tinkering. But um, I think they've done a good job making a big bike that's pretty friendly to ride. It doesn't feel like you're on too
2: much bike necessarily.
1: Um, so yeah, let's keep keep messing around with it and get a long-term review going in a
2: couple months. Have you... How to play around with those leverage ratios? Can you kind of tell the difference? You can, yeah. I think the ramp up is pretty. There is a lot of ramp up in that
1: more progressive setting, so it is like they say. You know, you have a higher leverage ratio in the beginning, so it makes it more supple off the top. But then the ramp up is pretty strong. So um, I don't have a coil shock to play with, but I might play with the volume spacers in the Float X two just to kind of dial it into to my
0: liking. But Kaz, what kind of fork is on the front of that thing?
1: It's a one eighty mm uh,
0: Fox thirty eight. You've been riding some big bikes lately. How would you say this thing compares to that Cavins? Just, I know it's sort of early days, but does one feel more well-rounded or does one feel more towards like just heading straight down through the nasty stuff?
1: Um, I'd say the Cavins has more of a, you can plow a little bit better almost with the Cavins, just because the way I have it set up, it's got that coil shock. Um, and I think that just the overall feels like it hugs the ground a little bit more than the Giga. I think either one will accomplish the same goal, but, yep. um, yeah, that's what has been impressed me most about the cabins, but, um, yeah. the
0: ground hugginess. Okay. So is this an Enduro bike or is it a, what is it?
1: <laughs> yeah. I think they call it super Enduro, um, and I could, it could definitely be an Enduro race bike depending on the course. I think some courses you might do better on a little bit shorter travel, a little more nimble machine, but Like this one, you could definitely race, say, the Whistler uh, tracks, you know, where they tend to be longer, a little straighter, faster. But if you did get into this, that's the place I'm going to beat you later this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe we'll get two of these and race each other. There we go. (laughs) I'm going to do it on a
0: shorter travel bike than you, though, I think.
1: Oh, yeah, I (laughs) bet. Yeah. You wouldn't want to be overbiked
2: for the EWS. God, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Speaking of big bikes, um, we also have a RockShox ZEB versus Fox38 face-off review up on the site too. Fair to say these long travel forks were two of the biggest products released in 2020, and they are in direct competition. So we set our resident engineer, Dan Roberts, on the task, and he put them through six months of back-to-back testing. I don't want to go into this one too much because we have a whole podcast coming up about it. But definitely take the time to either read that piece or listen to that podcast if you're in the market for one of these forks. Um, what in particular were you guys discussing on that podcast, Fleeby?
0: Yeah, it was basically, we were just trying to boil it down to the nuances. So Dan and Kazimer both spent a ton of time on the 38 and the Zeb. Um, Dan doing a ton of back-to-back testing and Kaz riding a bunch of different uh, Zebs and different 38s. So we have a pretty good idea of how these forks work, and basically, we just wanted to boil it down and see, like, maybe which one felt better here, which one felt better there, maybe which one would suit this type of rider better than that type of rider. Uh, Yeah, so we talked for an hour about that stuff. It's kind of a deep dive. Um, Definitely a little more technical than we do sometimes, but I think people will like it, yeah. It might even be released already by the time this podcast comes out. I'm not even sure. (laughs)
2: <laughs> um well yeah if like i say if you're after one of those long travel forks that'll be all the info you could ever want on them i think so um, go and check that out for sure um on friday um the uci i think took some team managers unaware when it dropped uh, the full list of teams for next year this basically marks the end of racing rumor season we now know who's on what team who's riding what um i'd say there weren't any huge surprises with all the big ones already announced I did notice that Jackson Goldstone is going to be stepping up to world cup racing in 2021 though. That's pretty wild to me. He's still, I don't know, eight in my head or something. So, um, that's pretty strange, but it'd definitely be cool to see how he does. He's with the Miranda team next year. I'm going to put you all on the spot. Now we know who's riding for what team, which downhill or XC team do you think looks strongest coming into 2021? Yeah. If you based on the bike, cause Trek has a number of teams that a number
1: of teams will be riding Trek. So they've got, um, uh, man, I'm blanking out. but they've got Valley Hall, and then Lawrence they got and a and World Champ. Come on, yeah, I know, and they got Loris and Reese, and um, yeah, I think. But they're obviously different teams, but on the same bike. So Trek might have done a good job of securing that bike's spot on some podiums.
3: Yeah, Trek and Rockshox for the team with Valley Hall, and then they're also another SRAM and Trek team with uh, Loris and Reese. Hey, James, are you
0: sad that you can't do any more TMZ articles now that all the rumors are, like, you, there's no more speculating?
2: Yeah, I've deleted Instagram now. I've got no use for it anymore. I, um, <laughs> right, you're done. need to actually go and do some journalism now. I'm not just reposting other people's social media clips, so... Yeah, the hard work starts yeah. now for me.
3: <laughs> but also you had like 10 stories come out on that day cuz like you said I think you took some or the UCI announcement took the team managers by surprise. So, yeah, you guys were just like had so many stories come out the same day as the UCI published that team list.
2: Yeah, I think it used to be in spring, so I think there was a bit more time, but I think the past couple of years it's been kind of late January and yeah, I think a few people had to scramble together a bit of a press release, but
0: yeah james you said some team managers were sort of taken by surprise did you hear anything like were people upset that their that their team was released before they released the press release uh
2: nothing came back to me directly but i got a few press releases with embargoes after the team release and i mean if the team releases are already out you know there's not much use in an embargo anymore so i think they just uh yeah, mistimed a bit and maybe lost a bit of the, the publicity they were after. But yeah, it's not, it's, you know, it's not the biggest deal in the world, I don't think. So lastly, um, if you haven't already, definitely go and check out that Danny McCaskill video. It's called Slabs. This saw Danny head back to the Isle of Skye, which is where he shot the ridge. Um, but this time he's taking on the island's granite slabs. Um, how do those um, ones up in Scotland compare to your Pacific Northwest ones?
1: They don't have too many trees over there where he's at, but those definitely look proper. Like I'd love to see him come out to Squamish or somewhere and ride some of the gnarly trails there. I'm sure he would do totally fine. But.
0: Kaz, I have a, I have a question for you with those, with those steep ass rock slabs, like you've ridden here in Squamish too. And you watched that Danny Mexico movie. Would you feel more comfortable with the trees there? So you can't see like, you know, 3000 feet below you, or maybe you won't hit them. Or would you like it wide open like that?
1: Yeah, that's a tough one. I kind of like knowing I won't hit the trees, but there were some moves on that in that video where the exposure was ridiculous. Like there's a couple moves. of like, oh, that looks cool. And then he would keep going like, no, I don't know if I'd be into that. So I I don't know. I would like to go to the Isle of Sky and try to ride some of that stuff. But there's definitely some things I know I wouldn't do that he did on that because it looked really crazy.
0: What about you, Sarah? Would you would you prefer like the Squamish tree in Rock Slabs where when you eat it, you're probably only going to ragdoll for like 20 feet before you hit a tree? Or would you prefer that wide open rock slab? I'm
3: gonna try not to hit any trees. But I mean, the reason I love this slab trails in Squamish is mostly because of the views. So yeah, if I don't need to ever not see a view when I'm riding a slab, that's kind of ideal. And I feel like the slabs that concern me the most are when you like come off the slab and you're like between a goalpost of like two trees. Yeah. And if you're like an inch <laughs> off the line, then you're going to hit your bar on a tree. So like, if you don't have trees, I'm not saying what he did was easy, but yeah, it would be nice if some of the slabs in Squamish didn't have such tight goalposts at the end of them.
0: <laughs> I I feel that Sarah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Fewer 90 degree
1: turns to finish your move.
3: Like, yeah, exactly. right. <laughs> but it was also impressive to me how he looked like he was going so fast and like a lot of the times like you're just creeping down a slab so that you don't lose control especially when it's like as long as those slabs that he was doing
0: yeah. but
3: you know danny mccaskill's got some some speed and style
0: yeah the trick with those slabs is to end them properly it's easy to get into them you just got to get out of them correctly right? the run out of yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i've seen some exciting run out moves <laughs> you just ride <riding> a bucking bronco
0: <laughs> yeah all right, and that is it for the news. So let's take it to questions. And the first one is from our suspension podcast that we did with Rockshox's Chris Mandel. We shot him a whole ton of general suspension questions, uh, and this is from Chakaping, probably one thing i would have asked is what's the difference in damping quality between entry level mid-range and top ed versions of the same rear shock in years past it seemed you'd get better shim stack on the higher end models as well as a three position switch he wonders if that's still the same now or is it just more external adjustments and kaz with shocks it's not quite as straightforward as it is with forks forks they're right underneath your hands. It's a one to one ratio, but when you're dealing with leverage ratios, it makes feeling the difference in shocks a little bit more difficult. So, what would you tell Chakaping?
1: Yeah, I mean he's he's kind of on target. I mean a lot of it a lot of it does come down to the adjustments. Um, the higher end ones do tend to have more adjustments, but the overall architecture is it's more similar in shocks than it is with forks. Like, let's say forks, the highest end versus the entry level, they usually have a totally different damper. But a shock, the internals. You know, in general, tend to be pretty similar, but with more adjustments um, right. and just kind of depends on the company. but yeah, if you're looking for more adjustments, maybe a little bit more just fine tuning
0: options, you do get those with a higher end shock right and we we sort of ran into that last year with our value bike field test in Sedona. We had a whole bunch of full suspension bikes that weren't expensive. I mean, how much was that nut, cast? was it like yeah, it was like seventeen hundred u s
1: dollars or something yeah, maybe?
0: yeah, and it had a it had a shock on the back. And how did that shock work, Kaz? Did,
1: okay. Right? <laughs> you
0: know, yeah, it's like, it,
1: and that's the thing, yeah, like testing shocks is a lot harder than forks, I would say, because you, your brain can kind of forget about it. It's behind you. You're not paying as much attention. So uh, you don't always, I would say you always. You don't always need the most, the fanciest shock to have a good time. Um, you won't notice it quite as much as if you would a, a nicer fork, I would say.
0: Yeah. When it comes to the shock, you just want to make sure that the shock that's on your bike has the correct tune. And it probably is if you bought your bike with that shock. Um, and then whether you're a coil or an air guy, whether you want something like a, a pedal assist switch, you know, that kind of stuff. But other than that, they all kind of work really good. You don't have to get a fancy one. <laughs> okay, our next question is from Vraxis. Uh, this one's for me. He says, Imba. Should give them a chance to explain themselves, perhaps get comments from the Mountain Bike Association chapters like Cobra, Evergreen, Mountain Bike Mountain Alliance, etc. And yeah, I think that's a pretty good idea, Axis. We should have somebody from IMBA on the show to talk about trail work and, and all sorts of other questions. Kaz, would you want to be in on that one?
1: Yeah, I used to live next door to Wien's, Uh Dave Weens. So I like him a lot. And he's the captain eat, of Imba, I think. I think right now he is, yeah. I haven't yeah. checked in his title in a while, but yeah, he's up there. Um, so yeah, it'd be definitely cool to check out. They don't seem to be as prevalent these days, which in my mind is for the better. But um, there's a lot of really good local trail organizations that have popped up and kind of taken on what Imba used to try to do. So yeah. yeah, definitely lots to talk about there. I'd be interested.
0: So for some a little bit of backstory, uh, Sarah, Imba generally my impression is that people, a lot of people, I mean, not everybody, but a lot of people sort of assume that they're all about just like the easiest trails, you know, trails made to measure, you know, trails that are X and Y at this grade. Um, a lot of people seem to have been voicing that opinion over the years, but it's died down recently over the last couple of years, hasn't it, Sarah?
3: Yeah, definitely. I feel like some of the articles that we've posted about Imba, there's been some hate in the comments for sure. But um, I think everybody, yeah, has opinions on what a trail should look like. And yeah, sometimes it's not what Imba has built in their backyard.
0: Right. Right. Dave Weins, we'd love to have you on the show. I'll reach out. All right. So we've got Dan Sapp with us now, along with Sarah Moore and Mike Kazimer, and we're going to get into our discussion. What makes a good riding buddy? And I've been thinking about this topic for a while now. I find it really interesting, maybe because I'm a guy who's never had a lot of good riding buddies or a big crew. I'm pretty antisocial off the bike. I think I'm pretty friendly. Like if guys, if you guys were to run into me on the trail, I'm super friendly. It's just that I'm almost always by myself or I have like one or two other riding buddies that I've clicked with. And it turns out that I'm not alone. So I ran a poll last year. On Pink Bike, on this very subject. And one of the questions was, Do you consider yourself a social rider or an antisocial rider? There were over 20,000 replies. And of those, 7,200 said that you usually ride alone, but you got a couple friends who sometimes join. And I think that describes me and maybe you guys as well. 8,600 people said they try to ride with others, but it doesn't really matter. It doesn't determine if they go riding or not. Well, 1,300 said, I was raised by wolves and what are you doing in my forest? And I think that means they don't like to ride with anybody. (laughs) And that leads me into my first question for you guys. So Sarah is riding a social thing for you or is this something that you do alone? No matter what, like do you ride because it's social or do you ride to ride?
3: I guess a little bit of both. Like I do really enjoy riding with people. Um, Hmm. But I'm not going to not go for a ride because I'm going to go out on my own. So I enjoy riding on my own and I enjoy riding with people. If I had the choice, I would probably go out with one or two people just for like safety, somebody to distract you from the pain in your legs if you're going a hard climb. Um, Yeah. So my general go-to is, yeah, one or two people.
0: Okay. So next question then, Sarah. What if for the next year you couldn't ride with anybody? Do you think you would do the same amount of rides?
3: Ooh, that's a great question. I think I would probably do almost as many. Yeah. 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 yeah I don't think I'm pretty self motivated. So I do enjoy just going out and pushing myself. I actually find that a lot of the time when I go out on my own, I. Get all of my best segments because there's nobody to distract you at the top of the segment, or if you're nobody (laughs) to slow you down because you're a machine, Sarah. You don't have an excuse to like stop and chat or take a picture, so you just like go really fast when you ride on your own. So it's kind of nice to take some breaks and like have some conversations and ride with other people.
0: That's the giggling assassin over here, everybody.
3: Yeah, on my own, I'm just like an assassin. When I ride with other people, I'm just giggling. No, just
1: laughing as you tear their legs off.
0: Right. That's I've ridden with Sarah, and that's sort of accurate. Uh huh. Yeah. So dropping into something, just laughing away, and it's all slippery and gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what Give about you, five. Dan? You're you're down in North Carolina. When you ride, is it about riding with other people? Is it a social event for you, or is it? Hey, I just want to ride a bike, and I'd ride whether my buddy comes or not.
4: I usually ride by myself and it's, yeah, like you said, I usually will ride whether someone's coming or not. And I, I typically, I mean, I get a lot of shit for it, but you know, people are like, Oh man, let's make plans to go ride. I'm like, ah, no, no. It's like, I, I can't really that make plans. Like <laughs> I can't commit that time to it. Um, I mean I that just go by myself. Dan. <laughs> I can ride from my house to the trails. It's nice. It's just like cool, I'm gonna get off the computer, go outside, get my bike and go into my own world, ride down the greenway. And I like the last ride I I rode last week, the trails have been kind of a mess lately, but when I rode last week one time, I measured the success of that ride. I got back and I was like, I only ran into three people and I was really pumped, you know, I didn't see many people out there and that was awesome. Yeah. Okay. But there's other times when I will ride with a group, but it's really rare. Um, I have a buddy that has a huge birthday ride. He does it every year. And the past couple of years, it hasn't happened, but we'll get like 30 people. And, you know, people are partying and it's a good crew, but it, it's super rare. It's like once every three years that I would do that.
0: That's 29 too many people, Dan.
4: I know. I know. I know. It's, <laughs> it's against my policy. Right. I also, you know, a lot of people around me work you know, we all work during the day, but for us, we're lucky enough that we can kind of ride whenever. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you want to go on a night ride? It's like, uh, it's perfectly fine outside during the day. I'm going to go ride during the day. (laughs)
0: Right. Why would I ride at night when I can't see? I can see during the day. I'll go then.
4: (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, well, you can use lights. I can use the sun.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) The sun is my favorite light.
4: (laughs) Kaz, what about you? You're in Bellingham. What are your
0: rides like? If you, Let's say 10 rides. How many of those are by yourself? How many of those are in a group of two or three or more?
1: Might be about half. I do have a riding buddy, Mark, that I ride with most most of the time these days because he doesn't, I don't know, he doesn't really have a job right now. So he rides a lot. That's the best. All the time. He rides like twice a day. So I'll catch him on his second ride of the day and we'll go ride. Um, but overall, I do like to ride alone typically. And then if I'm going to go in a group, it's like one or two people. You know, I do have, I don't mind a bigger group once in a while because it's fun just to have the slower social rides, but... Um there's also something to be said for kind of moving quick and fast and just kinda of doing the ride without so many brakes and waiting.
0: Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that I that I get stuck with is that I mean, Kaz, Dan and Sarah, like we're a lot of times we're riding different bikes that we're I mean, not all that familiar with Kaz. You were just talking about that Nuke Proof Giga, you've got four or five rides in on it, like I mean, I bet it doesn't feel like home yet, right?
1: Yeah. There's always tinkering. So you'd have to, if I'm going to ride with somebody, sometimes I'll say, no, I got to like dial on a bike today. You don't want to be with me because you'll be stopping every hundred yards to mess with something or yeah, most people wouldn't have patience for that. I wouldn't have patience to ride with me on those rides. So it's, that's kind of definitely a solo ride on those times.
0: Yeah. Are you ever, Kaz, when you're on a test bike, are you ever like, are you ever thinking, well, I'm not really, I'm not really at one with this bike yet. So maybe I don't want to go ride that nasty, gnarly stuff.
1: Yeah, I'd say sometimes I don't, um, yeah, like if I'm feeling good on a bike, there's certain things I'll be like, all right, go wherever. But if I'm still getting a dial, there's certain, I'd say a little bit mellower trails or things where not quite as, you know, you got to make sure the stem bolts are tight and all the things are. <laughs> I built the bike myself too. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to make sure. But yeah, I, I don't typically dive right in the deep end, uh, very first ride unless, you know, maybe it clicks super well, but I'd say I, I kind of ramp up and then once I'm comfortable, you know, it only takes a ride or two usually for me, but Um, that first ride is more about figuring things out than sending it huge.
0: Right. So it sounds like Kaz has a, has a main riding buddy. Dan, do you have a, do you have like a go-to guy or go-to guy or girl that you ride with? I've got
4: a couple of guys that are kind of like on my list of people that I really don't call people ride very often. Um, but you know, I used to live like two and a half hours away from here, the other part of the North Carolina mountains. And I've got a good buddy up there that I'll call up and go ride those trails with. And, uh, those are very different trails than where I live. And so that's kind of like my go-to guy to ride with, but it's, you know, like once every couple months. And then I have a couple of, uh, dudes down here who i ride with, but their schedules usually don't mesh up. So yeah, I'm by myself most of the time.
0: Right. Sarah, do you have a, do you have a single track teammate? Like, do you have like one person that you do a lot of your riding with or, or a small crew?
3: I do almost all of my riding with my partner, Alex, I would say. And then we'll join uh, my friend Isabel pretty frequently or our friend Jay. So usually like two to four people would be who I ride with. And often it's like, hey, Jay, we're leaving in half an hour. We're just about done breakfast. Do you want to go for a ride on like a Saturday or Sunday? So being able to leave within, you know, 15 to half, 15 minutes to half an hour, kind of makes him an ideal riding partner. And uh, yeah, so usually a pretty small group.
0: Okay, so we'll get into what we want in a riding buddy, what the traits that might make a good riding buddy. But I have one more general question for all of you. Do you guys, do you guys have a guy or a girl that you ride with that's a show, and afterward you ride with them, you're like, why do I ride with this person? But they're still on your riding list? I don't really.
1: I tend to weed those out. I've, in the past, I have, and I can definitely think of people that I've ridden with in the past that fit that category, but these days, I think my crew is pretty tight and held together well. But every once in a while, you do get the guy that you kind of know what ride you're in for, and it's it's entertaining, but I, I usually don't ride with that style of person. They only get a few strikes, and I'm like, I can't be here to watch this show.
3: <laughs> Actually, we have a really good friend who, he's super awesome to ride with, but he, he's became a dad like two years ago and in his mind he's like I can do all the things that I could before I was a dad and so he'll just like go out really hard explode on the first climb and then be have like no food no water be totally bonked we'll be like here are some gummies like (laughs) I hope you survive like and yeah it's just kind of a a funny uh, every time we go out it's like there's something that goes wrong but he's like just really fun and really stoked on riding but I think he's just like hasn't built up the stamina to do the rides that he used to before all the sleepless nights and young kids.
4: I do have a buddy who, I still ride with this guy, um, our buddy Tommy, y'all might know him, Tommy Peenick, but he is a great rider now, but he came from like a skiing and kayaking background. And with the skiing and kayaking background, he was a complete mess to ride with. He used to be in over his head all the time you know, tomahawking down the trail. We call it the Tommy Hawk. And a lot of times his bikes wouldn't be completely dialed. And I remember one specific ride in particular where he showed up. I was like, Hey man, I think you need to turn it back just a notch. And he's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, no more than 30 seconds later, he clips a pedal on the route and it's just like sending it down through the woods. But he's gotten to be a really great rider now and I actually enjoy riding with him a lot. So.
1: Yeah, sometimes you have to form your riding partners. You have to mold them, like mine. <laughs> Levy knows. <laughs> My riding buddy. We brought him as a mechanic, maybe like five or six years down to Sedona for a field test. We brought him as a mechanic. And he was you know, he's a tall guy, maybe six foot one or so, and but he was a little bit bigger. We'll call him hush. Chunky. So but he was a little chunky on that on that trip. But then he rode every day for a month straight with Levy behind him, just heckling him mercilessly, like he, just shaming him and screaming. And now he's really, really fast. He's faster than me now, and he's oh, yeah. not fat anymore. <laughs> he's he's in shape, and uh, he, we've morphed him into a a weapon.
0: Yeah, so that was an amazing yeah. trip, Kaz. So it was. We our mechanic Mark. He we would go riding, and he would dab on these. Uh, Sedona has some pretty technical climbs, short but technical climbs, and Mark would dab on all of them. And I refused to pass him. I would ride behind him and I would just scream at him like, do it again, do it again. You know, who's going to carry the boats? Do it again. And now look what we've created.
1: I know it's a monster. He He wants to come up and crush you as soon as the border opens because it's been too long since you've ridden with him. You'll. It's impressive what he's turned himself into.
0: I don't need to. The last time I rode with him, it was like 2014 or 15. He was fat and slow, and I want to leave it like that. (laughs) Yeah, not anymore. (laughs) He's fast. (laughs) Let's talk about what we don't want in a riding partner. And I think one of the things for me personally is... I fucking hate complaining and whining, especially if there's nothing you could do to make it better. So like a lot of you, some of my most memorable rides, they were gong shows, death marches in freezing rain, blazing heat. Maybe I had a bad crash. Maybe I broke something, a mechanical. Either way, the rides that don't go as planned, those are the ones you remember. I don't remember the good ones. I remember the gong shows. So like I know it's raining and cold or too hot and your legs are sore or you could see your tibia, I'm right beside you. So you guys, you I don't need I don't want anybody to tell me that it's raining or hot or that their leg is broken. I can see it. <laughs> I want a stoic riding buddy where all we have to share is a look, and we're both like, oh, this yeah, this this sucks. You know, can do you want to share like a soaked granola bar? That's what I want. <laughs> yeah, as you stare into each other's eyes and nibble granola at <laughs> yeah,
1: each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Sounds cute. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I want a, someone that doesn't complain. I don't, I don't really have any tolerance for whining and a good attitude, even if they're, if they're happier and more, uh, yeah, if they're happier than me, that's always good. <laughs> just like, like a good, yeah, up for whatever. Cause sometimes rides do turn strange or long or, I mean, biking can be painful. So I like that, I also like if they're a little bit faster than me, not so much that I'm mm-hmm. struggling the entire way and just getting destroyed. Like okay, I can so go on that's those rides. why we don't ride together that often. No, that's not the reason. <laughs> you yell at me too much, causing anxiety. <laughs> <Well,
0: laughs> I also like go people faster. That,
1: yeah, I don't like people that yell. Like quieter riding buddies are good. So that's like one reason leaving. I don't ride too much. Levy has a special uh, style where it involves a lot of yelling, and I, I don't like yelling. You've said
0: this a lot. I don't think that's. I don't think I yell that much. Like I would argue that Sarah is <laughs> much more vocal on the trail, maybe more positive. Yeah, hers
1: is encouraging. Yours is. Uh, diminishing
3: <laughs> kind of like a war cry almost <laughs> like, i don't yeah. remember
4: you yelling that much when we've
1: well, not he just yells at me one. and maybe that's it it's just yeah a from being yelled at yeah I, so, <laughs> yeah but yeah good attitude goes a long way and snacks too if someone brings snacks i got time for that
0: yeah sarah what about you what's what's on the top of your list of traits that you don't want in a riding buddy
3: I definitely don't want somebody who complains because I think attitude is everything, guys. You can turn around <laughs> the experience. Why we don't ride together
0: ever, Sarah. My yeah. <laughs> shit attitude. Turn
3: that frown I mean, upside down. To be fair, if uh, you mentioned your like tibia showing out of your leg, you know I think you're probably allowed to complain a little bit. Like that seems a little bit excessive not to allow the person with a broken leg to <laughs> complain. Um, but in the rain, and the cold, it's like yeah, it's. It's almost more enjoyable if you're at least pretending to have a great time. People think my sarcasm also sometimes is serious, and they don't realize that I'm quite sarcastic. And so, yeah, people think that I'm having a great time when you're just sarcastic. <laughs> I've never hold heard you sarcastic. <laughs> Stop,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sarah. I don't think I've ever heard you be sarcastic. You're, you're yeah, very I think positive.
3: People don't notice. It's like, oh, I love riding in the rain. It's like, no, I. It's not okay. actually.
0: <laughs> Chaz, this whole time she's been joking.
3: Yeah, yeah. you guys. Uh, all these <laughs>
1: <laughs> I had to reevaluate everything. <laughs>
3: yeah. Uh, but back to the question, what I really try to avoid the most in a riding partner is somebody who I think is just overconfident. And I just hate it when you're like out on a ride and... I mean, often being a woman too, people are like, oh, well, she did it. Like I can do it. And you're like, oh, well, no, I've ridden this trail like a hundred times. And like the first time I did it, I looked at this and, you know, like it is fine to look at things and not walk it or not ride it. You could just walk it if you're not confident. Um, And yeah, just overconfidence and like that bucking bronco when people are riding down slabs, it just like makes my heart hurt. And I'm like, I do not want to be on a ride with somebody who ends up calling search and rescue and that's the rest of your day. So, yeah, overconfidence is definitely not appealing.
0: I, uh, I have a story related to that. I have a buddy. Right? He's in Chilliwack. I don't ride with him very often anymore because I, I moved away. But we used to ride together all the time. And then this guy, like he was always a solid rider. But then this guy started getting pretty rowdy on the descents. Like like above his pay grade kind of rowdy. And he would, he started crashing like two or three times on most rides and he started crashing on some climbs and stuff. And I started thinking to myself, like, I mean, it's, it's, that's not drama that I want on a ride. I want, of course I want somebody who's going to push themselves, but I don't think I want somebody, I don't want to ride with somebody who's always riding over their head And I mean, partly, uh, part of the reason for that is because that eggs me on. And I I would find myself following this guy riding faster than I wanted to ride. And that's basically not, I mean, on the descents, that's basically not how, that's not how I wanted to ride. He was taking too many chances for my liking. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, I especially noticed this, like going on an adventure in the Chilcotins where you're like really far away from cell phone service. Like if you have an accident, like you need to press an in-reach button and it's going to be a long time before anybody comes to rescue you and it's like just don't let your ego get in the way you know it's like not the time or place and even in squamish like it would take a long time to get rescued um so yeah overconfidence not appealing at all and like i like you say like i want to push my own ability and i want people to um you know push their riding but there's like such a fine line between overconfidence and you know confidence i guess
1: yeah. I think one of the scariest times is when riders are kind of in that zone between intermediate to advanced where they're kind of still trying things and learning how to hit drops or hit jumps. I, I can't really ride with people like that unless I really knew that's what I was getting into just because you'll get past people that t- point eventually Casimir. Don't worry. Yeah, just I keep know. trying. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs> if I'm riding by myself and teaching yeah. myself things, <laughs> but no, but watching the beginners and intermediate riders figure stuff out. Like we've all been there, but it's so hard to watch cause you kind of know what the outcome could be. And it's like, like people that coach and teach, uh, I'm very impressed that they can do that without having heart attacks. Like I just can't watch that. Like I'm people, it's a process everyone has to go through, but I just don't wanna be around when, when people go through it.
3: Yeah, it's true. It is kind of, yeah, fun to coach people through things in like a safe way. But if you're just going out on a ride with people, it's, yeah, it's just really, like you have to kind of learn what that line is. And yeah, when you're that level between intermediate and advanced, it can be really difficult to know your abilities and also know the consequences of what you're doing if it goes wrong. Yeah. Dan, what's at the top of your list
0: for reasons not to ride with somebody?
4: Oh man. Well, we sound like
0: assholes here, don't we?
4: No, we do. And I was thinking about that when we were talking about this earlier, I was like, man, I really, we're going to be positive
0: in a minute. We're going to turn this around and talk about all the good reasons why we have, the riding buddies that we do, but first we got to get through the bad stuff.
4: Yeah. Well, I would say, you know, like you guys said at the top of my list is I don't want to be with someone that's a liability. It's just, it's stressful. It's not pleasant. It's not fun. A lot of times I feel like that's the rider that also wants to jump in the front and lead the descent and all of that. And you know, it's like, you know, I don't care if you're in front of me, but I don't like riding, you know, directly behind people anyways, because it's hard to follow lines and stuff unless you really trust that person. But, you know, you're going to see them crash. They're going to crash someone else. It's just, it happens all the time. Um, You know, another thing I really don't like in someone is if I go ride and like the first thing they're like, oh, what bike are you riding? What's that? Uh, You know, and they just want to talk about gear and bikes the whole time. I'm like, let's just talk about something else.
0: To to be fair, Dan, though, so a couple of my riding buddies are like that, too, and I I love these guys, but, man, like, let's just go for a pedal. I don't want to talk about the tires or the suspension or anything, but on the other hand, I think we have to remember that a lot of times, like, our buddies are riding the same clapped-out bike for three, four years. They're excited about this stuff. They want to know, so I do try to be patient, but, yeah, I get that, too.
4: And and I agree with you, and I, I am, too, but you know, you get kind of like repeat offenders that kind of ask the exact same question every time. And you told them the same answer last time. And you're like, Steve, okay. are you listening? <laughs> Steve, you know who I'm talking about, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I do love talking about bikes and gear to people a lot of times, um, when I'm riding, but you know, sometimes it's cool to talk about other things too, you know, just like when I feel like when my friends go ride with each other, they don't necessarily talk about bikes and gear all the time. And it's like, Hey, what's happening in your life outside of bikes? And it's like, man, I kind of want to have that conversation sometimes.
0: Right. Okay. Do you guys think that some people say like, so if, if you guys ever watch boxing, you might've heard the phrase styles, make fights, styles, make fights. So basically, you know, two, two guys going against each other and, do they have opposing styles do they have matching styles and that's what's going to make it a good fight so let's turn that around on mountain biking do you think that your your riding buddies need to have sort of the same the same style or focus as you or do you guys enjoy going out and riding with somebody who maybe is Uh, all about something that you're not, you know, if you're all about fitness, maybe you enjoy riding with a buddy who is all about sending it or vice versa.
1: I I think similar style helps. And it's good to kind of know that person's style though. If you can kind of adapt, like when we we kind of posed the question to other people at pink bike and someone said that you have to know your riding buddy's definition of trail speed. Cause we all have that buddy that's like, Oh yeah, you can hit this thing. Just go trail speed. And their trail yeah. speed is not your trail <laughs> speed. So you hit it and you're just like coming up short by five feet and they're like deep. So I think it, you can kind of adapt. I wouldn't say maybe like a, a fitness oriented guy and a sender oriented person might not jive as much, but uh, kind of learning their style and adapting it. It's part of the part of the game. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. I think it definitely helps. Um, you know, like Kaz was saying and, Two, when you're following each other's lines through stuff and all of that, especially if you're riding at a faster speed, if you have two totally different styles of riding and you're used to like copying and pasting each other or whatever, it just, it doesn't, you don't get that same sense of flow, you know, for lack of better words, if you're following someone with a totally different style, because it's just like, it's like two bowling balls going down the trail instead of, you know, like this nice, smooth everything. But it's really fun riding with people that have a totally different style or type of riding. You know, it's like, whenever I've been up in Bellingham, I love going out with uh, Keeland, but I'm not riding any of that stuff.
3: Yeah, I'd say for me, um, I really enjoy riding with somebody who comes from a cross country background, actually, and then kind of has moved towards enjoying the downhills more like riding more enduro style. Because I think when you learn cross country because you're on a shorter travel bike, you have really precise line choice. And so the people I've realized just recently that I enjoy riding the most with have come from a cross country background and have this like very similar style to me. And like I take exactly the same lines because honestly, if you're. If you don't have the same style, you're not actually really going to be following the wheel of somebody the whole time. Like they're going to speed up on certain sections and you're going to catch them on other sections. But if you're kind of a similar fitness and a similar riding style, then you can actually just like ride the same speed. And that's really fun.
0: Yeah. I think for me, I'd, I'd have to admit to being a super selfish rider. Like I want to get the bike I want to ride and I want to go do the ride that I want to do. And a lot of times it doesn't, well, all the time, it doesn't matter if somebody else doesn't want to do that ride, like go do your own ride, <laughs> like whatever, you know? So for me, I think the styles have to match. I have a I have a good friend in Chilliwack that I've ridden with this guy for over 20 years now. And we go riding together and it's like this unspoken thing where... Hey, we're gonna go this pace up the hill. Like, we're not feeling it today. We're gonna go slow, and on the way down, we're gonna haul ass, and we're gonna take similar lines, and or vice versa, or, or whatever. It's sort of that, like, I don't know, that unspoken. What What do you call it,
3: guys? Great I don't know. Yeah. I want to yeah. who reads my yeah. reads my mind. I don't yeah, have just to like. Same. Hey, I'm really tired. <laughs> yeah,
0: it goes for it goes for the type of rides too. You know, and. So yeah, I think for me, the style definitely has to match because I'm a selfish rider and I just want to go do the ride that I'm going to do. And if that means that I'm going to pedal super hard up this fire road, that's just what I want to do. And that buddy in Chilliwack, he usually wants to do the same thing. Let's talk about um, the things that we like in riders, Sarah, in riding buddies. I see you've got a list here.
3: I do have a list. Yeah. Uh... At the top of the list is somebody who wants to go on those stupid long rides and they're not going to just like go way too fast out of the gate, blow up, have no more food. Um, Like I kind of just like going on really long, slow, stupid rides. Um, And uh, yeah, somebody who just wants to do that with me is kind of a perfect rider.
0: Yeah, I think you, to do that, you need to be somebody who's almost a more responsible rider, like we were talking about before. If you're going to be out there for five or six hours, you can't be a dumbass about it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You can't be yeah overconfident and going to get hurt and you can't not bring any food or snacks or stuff to repair your bike if things go wrong. And yeah, you just, I think it also comes with like riding more. You kind of get to know your body more and like what you need to go really long and, um, like what pace you can sustain, I guess, over a longer day.
0: Another thing on your list here, Sarah, is pushes your riding without being pushy about it. Can you can you explain that one for me? <laughs>
3: um, I mean, I enjoy improving my riding. Like every time I go out, I'm thinking about... Uh, what I can do to improve as a rider. Uh, I think that's kind of what I really like about mountain biking is that I can still always get better, even though I've been doing it for over half my life. Um, but somebody who is, I guess, helps you be confident and helps you show you moves that you can do in a way that you can do it and pushes your riding without, you know, being like, Hey, you're really slow and stupid today and you've done this a hundred times why can't who's calling you stupid
0: on the trail Sarah (laughs) you tell me who's calling you stupid on the trail and I'll go talk to them
3: uh you know sometimes it's just uh what's the word like under not spoken but it's like why aren't you doing this you have the skills and it's like it's just today's not the day for it (laughs) so maybe
0: positive reinforcement is what you're saying Sarah so you you don't want somebody who's standing at the bottom of some sketchy ass rock roll, or who's right behind you on some log climb screaming at you to do it.
3: Exactly. Positive reinforcement. Make me feel good about myself, then I'll feel good enough to attempt this feature, and then I'll be really happy and I'll, you know, keep pushing my riding. So, um, yeah, that's definitely... And then also, if somebody pulls out a camera, I don't know what it is, but as soon as they do that, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I should do this, like... Because there's going to be a video. There's going to be proof of me just like pulling uh, out my pulling my do you have foot Kodak off Kirk? the. <laughs> I know it's terrible.
1: <laughs> I don't have that at all. No, Nobody either. Camera comes out. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. I'm like, yeah,
0: I'm,
4: I'm going home. See you guys later.
0: I think that's because totally. we're always on camera. Like it, when yeah. I go for a bike ride, I first of all I hate stopping, so that pretty much just rules out taking photos. And I usually don't want to take the photos because a lot of our rides were not a lot, but uh, sometimes we're out there for. Long days taking all the photos. We have lots of photos. We're spoiled with this.
1: Yeah, but well, even the other day, I was out shooting photos for a bike, and then there was one move on the trail that I wanted to hit that I go around it, I don't know, 85% of the time, because it's kind of, it's proper. I, I need percent yeah. of the time, everybody. Yeah, you would. <laughs> you would not, though, actually. But so I told the guy I was with, the, the photographer I had with me, I was like, hey, I'm going to hit this, but don't don't take any pictures. I'm just going to do this, because I didn't want to know that he was taking picture, and if I blew it, like oh. it was one of those things. And it was,
0: yeah. Did he? So did he take the photo anyway, though? No,
1: he didn't. he, oh, he should have. Yeah. He probably should have because I stomped it. But <laughs> and, like, I didn't want to even have that in my mind that somebody was even yeah, paying, paying attention. Like, I'm just going to do this. This is for me. It's not for any... What's this move, Kaz? It's just like a big drop. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. But it's, and it has like a rock slab, like a rock roll into a drop that if you mess up one section or the other, you'll get hurt. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. broke my thumb on it one time because the wind caught me in the air and turned me sideways. But, um... Yeah, it's super fun and it works, but I just don't... I wouldn't want someone to take a picture of it.
0: Dan, do you... Are you like Sarah? Do you respond to positive reinforcement? Or are you like me and respond to people telling you are a piece of shit?
4: I would say somewhere in the... uh, Between Sarah and no reinforcement. Uh, Just like, you you know, I'm going to do my own thing and if I want to ride this, I'm going to ride it. If I don't, I don't. But there are a few people, you know, like in my select little crew of people that I'll ride with that you know, if they're like, come on, man, you can do it, you know, or like you're solid on that. Or, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, that helps sometimes, you know, like there's been some things I've rolled into and, you know, a buddy Mangler, is like, Hey, you got this, just follow me off of it. And, you know, it's like totally good. So yeah, I respond well to it. Okay.
0: Kaz, do you have a, a riding buddy that you could just follow like that, that, you know, everything's going to be fine?
4: Yeah, but I also have some riding
1: buddies that are too good that I can't follow them because they make it look like it's going to be fine and it's just a whole different level. So We live in it's a crazy a, place. <laughs> yeah, like there's people that you just, they're like, oh, I just do this. And you follow. like, nah, I'm not ever going to do that. That's fine. You got that. But um, yeah, I do like I do like having a riding buddy that's a little bit better just for that same reason. Ever since I started riding when I was like 12 years old, my buddy back in the day, he was just a little bit better. So it's kind of always incentive to try to figure out how to do what he was doing. So
0: right. I like that. Sarah, do you have a riding buddy? Do you, do you follow Alex into all the things? Do
3: you trust I him? I wish. That's my goal. One day, we're just yes. going to follow my partner into every single thing he does. And no, that's the thing about like, he doesn't ride like I do, obviously. Um, he comes from a downhill background. I come from a cross-country background. So sometimes he'll ride down things and makes. Like just a lot of noise, and I'll be like, "Ah, I don't know if I can do that. Just that that sounded really, really bad, you know. (laughs) Too loud, (laughs) took (laughs) me. And then I'll look at it and I'll be like, Oh, that's not so bad. Why did you make it sound so terrible? And I'll kind of, you know, pick my way down it. And it's like that wasn't so bad at all. But yeah, definitely watching him do a line versus you know watching my friend Isabel, who I ride with a lot, do a line. If like seeing somebody who rides the way you do do a line makes it way more achievable.
0: I've, for whatever reason, I might be emotionally broken, but I've, I've never responded well to positive reinforcement. (laughs) (laughs) I'll confirm that you're emotionally broken. If you're wondering, you are. (laughs) I, I, when people, people are like, oh yeah, that was really nice. So you're riding really well, or you're going really fast in my head. They just sound like platitudes to me. Like I want, I want a riding buddy to be like, dude, Like my buddy Ricky back in Chilliwack, like I've ridden with this guy a zillion times and he could crush me up all the hills, but he sits instead, he just sits behind me a lot of times and he's like, why are you pedaling so slow? Why are you breaking on the climbs? (laughs) And I have another buddy that kind of does the same thing on the downs. And for whatever reason, I've always responded better to that.
1: (laughs) I, I don't, but yeah, I, I'm me glad you do. do, and I'm glad you found friends to heckle you like that. Friend, friend, well, I'm friend. I'll heckle you like that too. I'm not happy to give you that reinforcement as long as you don't turn it back on me. But. Yeah,
0: well, that's. I think that's why maybe I'm so vocal on the trails. So I think people sometimes are like, "Oh, why is he like? Why? Why did he say that? I don't mean anything by it. It's just like in my head, I'm like, that's what I want to hear."
1: Yeah, you've grown up in an abusive riding relationship, and you don't know that's not the norm. <laughs> <Now you're> just...
0: <laughs> <laughs> I need to go to counseling. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sounds like <laughs> European, I like,
4: ride <laughs> professional <laughs> European road racing or something. It's like, you will go faster. You will eat less. Yeah. Peddle, pedal, pedal, pedal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Leave right? his in couples counseling for his bike partners. <laughs> Do you guys have somebody that you love to ride with, but their bike's always a gong show? And why are you still riding with them?
4: Yes. So, uh, this is like 20 years of a bike being a gong show, but our buddy will we call him true will he in college his bike was like a 1994 stump jumper pieced together with parts that he found at a salvage store and he would shred it harder than anyone but he would take off our broken parts and then make his bike better but we would constantly have to you know essentially broke college kids crowdfunding another broke college kids 1994 stump jumper in 2006 and you know, it was just like one thing after the other. We would always have to bring parts for him on rides. You know, it'd be like, well, we may be walking out today. But you know, it slowly like just got worse and worse. And then you get a new bike and you'd buy a broken used bike and make that better. But then, you know, like in the past I don't know however many years, um his wife, she works for a bike brand and He's working, doing great, um, has a big boy job and everything. And he's got the most dialed setup out of everyone. You know, he sends this picture last night. He's like, yeah, just putting fresh tires on the downhill bike to go do laps at Windrock just for the weekend. And it's like, uh, well, times have changed. I don't even think my bikes are that dialed now.
0: (laughs) Do you guys have anybody that shows up to a ride? This one kills me. So my riding buddies, they need to be ready to ride. So when we say 10 a.m., that means wheels rolling 10 a.m that mean that doesn't mean showing up at 10.05 o5 without your front wheel that you forgot at home
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've got a buddy like that that he's I can I have time to ride with him because he's an amazing rider and super positive guy but he'll roll up he'll be going on a mega ride he'll show up like a half hour late with just a fanny pack full of like um just full of like two beers and a, a bag of weed. <laughs> he's like ready to go for like, <laughs> can you, can <laughs> like, you send me his number? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, he's so fun to ride with. It's amazing. But you're also like, oh, okay, this is gonna be a different day, but you get it done. But yeah, I don't ride with him all the time because that it's just, it's a different recipe than I'm on.
0: Right. So I think to summarize all of this, we all want somebody who's going to show up on time. Somebody who has their shit together. Somebody who's responsible with their riding, they're not taking crazy chances that might wreck your ride or scare the shit out of you, let alone them.
3: What else? Doesn't complain. Do we say that?
0: Doesn't complain.
4: Yeah. And I think, you know, some of it depends on what kind of ride you're going on. You know, if I'm going like way out into the back country, I want a different kind of rider than if I'm just going to go, you know, do something a little bit closer to town. Because, you know, in the back country, you want someone that if things go wrong, you know, like if I get hurt, they know who to call or they know how to help me get out of the woods without just having a mental breakdown on the trail and crying, oh my gosh, this is so bad. What, what do we do? I, said, oh, I can't tell you what to do. I'm knocked out. You know, it's, uh, you, you need someone. <laughs> Sounds like, like this was recent. Okay. No, actually, <laughs> no, it's a hypothetical situation. But, yeah, you know, you need someone that has their shit together and be like, okay, we need to get this person out of the woods. Or like, you know, if you're in a group You want people are like okay. You do this. You do this. Like someone like responsible people. I mean, it matters in a lot of situations like that.
0: Yeah, I I remember years ago doing a a fairly rowdy hike that we basically, well, anyways, a big hike and rowdy
3: hike. I'm curious.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, well, to to do this hike, we had to like run a lot of it. To basically, it's a multi day hike, so we had to move quick and. This guy that I brought with me, he knew that. I said, hey, we're going to move light and fast. And so we meet at like, you know, four in the morning before the sun comes up to do this. And the guy has a backpack with like a hatchet. And like, I think he had like a little freaking espresso maker. And like his backpack must have weighed like 50 pounds. And that was a, I don't know, that was like a 14 hour day or something like that. And at some point near the end of the day, this guy basically just sat down and started crying like just turned off he couldn't do it anymore and i understand like we've all been shattered if you guys know you guys have been bonked before i assume right like emotionally he he like bonking for people that don't know bonking isn't just having no energy it's like emotionally you are done you're empty and i mean that, that it, it made it a very difficult hike <laughs> getting out of there. It didn't make it a great day. And I think, you know, I made a mistake with choosing that particular person. Um, so yeah, I feel like you have to be careful with your, with your people, you know, the people that you want to ride with.
3: I feel like that's ironic because he was like over prepared. So then he ended up bonking and then, yeah, you probably don't need to bring a hatchet on most of your yeah. rides or hikes. Yeah. And- <laughs>
4: And I think a lot of it too, it's like, it's not personal. You know, I think sometimes people get upset. It's like, Oh, you don't want to ride with me or you don't want to go do this outdoor activity with me or whatever else. It's like, no, I'm just, I'm just doing my own thing and like, that's fine. And you can do your own thing. And like, no one should have feelings hurt or anything like that. It's like everyone rides differently and everyone should be stoked about that.
0: Right. I mean, I'm talking like I've never ruined people's rides, you know, and I have 100% shown up on bikes that weren't ready or maybe I haven't been prepared enough for the ride. I'm sure you guys have had the same incidents.
4: I'm notorious for like if I'm near my house, I won't bring more than multi-tool with me. And I just hope that I don't flat. And... I know it's bad. No, nope. I mean I used to. Not for sure. you. Water. Yeah, yeah meeting <laughs> hey, hey, you in the woods. <laughs> Have fun but walking. But I also, yeah. I also like, hey, if I fly, out, I'm getting out on my own. Like I'm not gonna, you know.
3: Yeah. Because you're riding on your own.
4: Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> right. So they also need to be on the same page
0: with whatever mission that we're doing, um, and it sounds like just be more of a positive person, Sarah. <laughs> be positive. You sounds like you enjoy that.
3: And we didn't mention interesting conversation is also good. And if they're fitter than you, they can just like hold the entire conversation on the climb. And it makes you feel like you're having a conversation, even if they do all the talking and you can just kind of like grunt replies. That's my favorite. It takes the pain out of your legs and you have this one-way conversation. It's great.
0: So you want conversation on your ride. You want someone talking.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, like I might as well ride on my own. I remember I went out on a run once. And I like met up with somebody and they were like, sweet, we're going for a run together. I'm going to put in my headphones. And I was like, well, why don't I just go on my own? Like, (laughs) like, if we're not going to like communicate, like if you're just in your own little head, then yeah, probably can just go on our own.
4: Oh, yeah. And I don't want someone riding with me that brings headphones or a Bluetooth speaker.
0: You know, I would tend to agree with that (laughs) with one caveat. I remember being on a ride with somebody. It was a pretty casual ride, and they had a Bluetooth speaker on their hanging off their backpack. And I I don't ride with this person. I mean, I haven't ridden with them since, so maybe that's maybe that's a sign. But I remember that ride. Like we were riding down the trail, listening to Snoop Dogg. And I know nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> it was pretty neat, though. It was fun.
3: Yeah, I recently just have have like met somebody who does that, and I, at first I was like what this is terrible and then we went out on a ride and I was like it's kind of fun like in a group ride when you have music it kind of makes it like a party or something plus I'm like usually I just end up singing like the same line over and over in my head because I don't know the rest of the song so somebody has a whole song that's great I don't just get like the earworm in my head
0: I just picture Kaz out there with this huge Bluetooth speaker, <laughs> listening to VGS. <Bee> yeah, doing his <laughs> talks. About.
1: Yeah, digging <laughs> yeah, the disco these days. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right, so that's it for our discussion about what makes a good riding buddy. Let's get on to Comet gold. There's only one. It hurts though. This one hurts. This one's from our suspension podcast article. It's from Chatteraz. He says, a few days ago, I watched 21 Jump Street. I can't get over the Jonah Hill, Mike Levy resemblance. I have love for both you guys, but every time I see this scene, I can't help but think, is Levy the real Grim Shady? And then he posted a link to uh, 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 Chunky Sweaty Jonah, and then good old unpaid intern Mike Casimir came in there <laughs> and dropped a photo of me that, I mean, it does kind of look, I mean, I, I do kind of look a little bit like Jonah Hill. I've heard that before.
1: There's a resemblance. There's yeah. worse people to be. Yeah, it's not like Steve Buscemi or something, right?
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to take that as a compliment, Chatters, so thanks. All right, everybody, that's it for today's podcast. Let us know in the comments what you look for in a riding buddy and what you try to avoid in a riding buddy. And do you have somebody that after every ride, you're like, why do I still ride with this person? But you still ride with them all the time? Let us know in the comments below, and we'll see you next episode.